like I when I say, all right, hey, all right, kiddos, come on over to home plate. Let's make a circle. Let's warm up. And you got my two kids are the last one in. Like that irks me. Um, well, that's funny. Yeah. So my dad always, you know, from the minute I went to my first little league practice, was like, "You be first in line for everything. Yep. You be the you be the volunteer. The coach asks for somebody to do something, you do it." So that was just, you know, part of my sports ritual. You know, yeah. part of my one of my sports habits for for. Geez, how many years? Thirty something years. I was playing some kind of sport or another, or coaching. That's. It's weird having a body that can't really do any of that anymore. Yeah, but but I mean, don't you do you feel that? And this could even be something we can continue to talk about on the show. At at now at, at our age, right, mid late thirties, early early forties, we're clearly we're not an athlete. What I mean by that is like we're not playing professional sports. Right. The lessons that we carried on into adulthood through sports are the responsibility, the, the teamwork, the uh, trusting in others to get a, a common, reach a common goal. Like those are the things that I learned playing youth sports. I didn't, I'm, I didn't create a professional career for me, you know? Yeah. But I think the, the funny thing is, as I get older, I become less willing to exercise those skills and more stubborn about just, I want things on my, I want things my way. And if I can't yeah. have them my way, I'm going to find a situation where I can. So that's, I think that's, I think I've kind of crested that hill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. The bet, the, you know, the best lessons I learned were from playing sports and just like the idea that you have to work really hard to be successful at something and, you know, be even be good at it. Yeah. And uh, it's how to handle losing, how to handle winning, like all, all those things for sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's too, it's, it's what I preach every day in my PE classes. So that's probably why it's still, Hey, look at you, Darren, looking fresh. Wow. Look it's all you. trimmed up for work. You're gonna, what you're, has school done to you? You're, you're, oh. Are you you're going to inspire me to do this, do that for myself? I okay. Take so what school has inspired days. me is to be neutered, is to, <laughs> is to have no personal feelings about anything. Uh, I'm a, I am where I was, um, engulfed in idealism for my whole career i now realize i'm a potato bagger and that's the loyalty that my system has to me is that i'm a potato bagger and you know they can get lots of people to bag potatoes are you not going to come back in september because you were going to come back next year right i should retire i mean i'm old but um but this was such a terrible year such a terrible year and it's still terrible it's terrible in the classroom it's just awful i mean i'm making the best of it and we're having fun but um i can't i quit, can't go out on this year it's so unsatisfactory matt knows i'm like hands-on i pick the kids up i do this trick where i ask a kid i say can i hang you on my back upside down he goes sure so i hang the kid on the back my back upside down and then I go, I ask somebody, hey, where's Matt? And they go behind you. And I turn around like this and go, no, no, he's not behind me. <laughs> you know, so I do stuff like that. So, and then as soon as I do it, it's go, can I do it? Can I do it? You know. <laughs> are you, uh, are you going to be allowed to take masks off in school? Is that happening? Not yet. Not yet. And I also think it won't happen. There's only 21 days left. Yeah. And the school yeah. committee is not going to move that fast. Right, right. 
right, hang so. on. Let me go grab another beer. <laughs> yeah, like, Matt, today I asked the nurse, I said, come on now. I said, no mask. I'm fully vaccinated. She goes, we still have a mask mandate. In <clears throat> so literally maybe an hour after the CDC came out with that latest, you know, no mask thing, our superintendent sent an email out to all staff, all families. Sorry, like we, we understand what was said, but it's how it's going to work for us is it's going to have to be coming from the governor. Then it will come down to the Aguam health department. Then it will come down to our school committee. And so, right. So it won't happen in the last 21 days. No, no. but I think Baker's a Republican. He'll want to take advantage of it quickly. So it will happen in Massachusetts quickly. Well, even our governor hours later said, it's great. You can not wear your mask in most situations. He said, you know, like on the bus, in the hospital, that sort of thing. But I will say- The thing is, it's really, I think it's a pretty brilliant move to get people to get vaccinated. You know, because when they they show that graph, when you're vaccinated, no Mm -hmm. mask anywhere. When you're not vaccinated, you need mask here, 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 here. But, but here's the thing. The people that aren't going to, that don't want to wear their masks are just going to take their masks off and aren't going to give a that they're not vaccinated. They're just going to, I feel like those people are going to take advantage of that. Right. But you know what will happen? So they talk about this vaccination passport. It's not going to really happen, except the, the vaccine passport won't happen by the government. But businesses are going to insist on it. You know, it depends on what the business is, but a business like, I don't know, a concert or something has every right to say, we only are going to take vaccinated people. You need to show us proof of vaccination or be tested within a couple of days. So it will be to your advantage to be able to whip the vaccination card out. So that's where it may, it may happen that people who have not been vaccinated will pay for it. But the other thing is, all those people that are not vaccinated and don't wear masks, they're just going to get sick and die. So it's <laughs> like it's Darwinian, you know, stuff at its best. <laughs> I, I, I suppose yeah. we can only hope, right? I mean, that's I mean, I do think, you know, uh, I still go. I, I get it. I mean, again, personally, I'm I'm vaccinated. Um I don't know why you necessarily wouldn't, but I do know there are people out there who don't want it. Um, there, you know. So I w- my only question would be like, how? And Joe, you kind of alluded to it. How would you? Let's say, for example, I didn't get vaccinated, and in Massachusetts, um, you know, it, it, you can go shopping if without a mask if you if you are vaccinated what would stop me from just going there without a mask on because I don't want to do it. So it's kind of, they would say to you, if you want to come in our business, you need to prove that you're vaccinated. Yeah. But those little white cards, they're so easy to, to fake you that those white cards don't mean anything. If they're going to have like a a more stringent way of certifying this, that's going to take a lot of effort and that would not happen. It wouldn't happen. Since we're we're a sports show, what about this interesting case of the Yankees, seven coaches, and uh, Gl- yeah. Glaber Torres, it's a it's a very odd thing. So, seven coaches and then Glaber all were are all vaccinated. The Yankees are really on top of it. They're doing a great job and they're testing like crazy. But they but they're testing positive for COVID. So now they could be asymptomatic. 
asymptomatic. But, you know, like one legitimate comment I heard was that, so the Yankees are testing like crazy. If we in society were testing like crazy, we might be seeing the same results, that vaccinated people can carry the disease and nothing happens. They don't. Well, and, and false positives have always been part of the problem with the testing. I got a feeling that the Yankees, don't you think they're do, they're using a good test? Well, but I think also the vaccine doesn't doesn't mean that you can't get the virus. It's supposed right. to it's supposed to prevent you from getting really yeah. sick from it and yeah, from yeah. Trans, and from transmitting it. Although maybe that doesn't work so well in a locker room. Well, that that was going to be my thing is, and I don't know this. I, I you know I we, if I could we could look up the numbers. Um, I'm sure testing is way 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 down because you're now that more people are getting vaccinated. Like for me, I, I feel no reason why I need to get tested. Sure. Um, right. You know, but over the winter I had gotten tested a few times because there were kids at school who were out because of it. And, and one time I had um, nasal congestion and the symptoms. So I got, you know, so testing must be way, way down. So we probably don't even know the extent of, how many vaccinated people have it. Um, but because you're vaccinated, the symptoms are less. The, the risk of hospitalization and death is zero. Yeah. Um, but we, we don't know. So if, if you are vaccinated and still regularly getting tested, like the Yankees or other sports teams, you know, I think that that's, an interesting stat that, that I don't it'll be interesting with the Yankees when they do the contact tracing to figure out my feeling is there was probably a meeting that was maybe like immediately after um, the, the vaccination, the jo Johnson and Johnson vaccination. And maybe there's someone was carrying it and just transmitted it to all inside that two week window. Well, the other big uh, contact tracing story. Did you guys see the UMass women's lacrosse team who was 15 and two this year, had a great season. We're in the NCAA tournament, six players or maybe seven were ruled out of the game today. Their opening round game, they lost by one. So oh. you, know, you can, you can add four starters. Back they were in. a good you know team too. Yeah. And they, they, and it's funny, they didn't get seated. They didn't get one of the top eight seeds, but I mean, they were, that could have been the, UMass's second national champion this year, but just, you know, this, I mean, I want to chalk it up to the stupidity of college students, but you don't know what the situation was. There might've been a, you know, a roommate or something like that. So I, I want to get more details before we, we talk about it, but it's kind of disappointing uh, event today. And the, the game just ended a, an hour ago. Well, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, the NBA has been just and it's like the Celtics in particular, have just been destroyed by COVID. You know, they've had, you know, they've had injuries and losing Jalen Brown was terrible, but, but all year long, it's been COVID this COVID that people out on COVID and the same for other teams. And it's really, um, you know, it's, it's really made it a weird season. And then the, this condensed condensing the season, but still playing 72 games, which is a lot. It's a, it's just a weird series. Let me ask, pose it. Let's go right into sports, right? Mike Greenberg on ESPN uh, radio said this the other day, and it made me think of you, Daryl. I will, uh, I will, you, you follow the Celtics, Joe, you guys pay much more attention to basketball than I do. 
Um, but he's, he was talking about the Celtics and sort of the disappointment of this year that the Celtics yeah. had. You know, there, were, there was talk that this team should have been a top three team in the East. Yes. In hindsight, Mike Greenberg's point was that they built this team totally wrong. They built it like a football team. Whereas in football, trading down to acquire draft picks is a good strategy because on a football roster, you need a lot of good players. One great player, unless you're Tom Brady, doesn't make for the people if, if that you, can't um, if you see us if since we're, playing, in a, we're in a Zoom meeting, every time Tom Brady's name is mentioned, Joe, you know, basically throws up. You know? <laughs> and if you're playing the uh, Sports Plus show drinking game, that's one drink for not bringing Tom Brady into a conversation where he doesn't belong. So, uh, unless, uh, unless in football, you want a lot of good players. So acquiring all those draft picks is a great strategy. In the NBA, you don't need good players. In fact, they don't help you. You need one or two great players. And Greenberg went through the last 20 years, the only team that won a championship without a surefire Hall of Famer was the 2004 Detroit Pistons. Maybe it wasn't 2004, but the Detroit Pistons with Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, um, Rashid, uh, Rashid Wallace, right? Those Wallace, guys. Yeah. Other than that, it's it, you, those great top five players in the NBA or what's winning the championship. So his argument is that the Celtics have a lot of good players, but they're missing that great player and their strategy of acquiring all these draft picks. It didn't pan out. Okay. Well, I think, so, I think they feel like both Brown and Tatum can, are, are great those players. players, but it's going to, they're still a couple of years away from being right. They're like, both under at, 24. Well, look at, look at Lillard and McCollum who've been in the league nine years and eight years playing together. And they're just now getting to the point where they can elevate the rest of their team. And they're, they're legitimate contenders. They're eight and two over their last 10. They just lost right. to Phoenix by one in Phoenix last night. They're legit title contenders, but, especially. So, Matt, I got to take a little disagreement. I mean, I, I, I think the basic point that Greenberg made is a good one, but the Celtics did like their, the time that they had the number one pick and traded it to Philadelphia and took Tatum at three was a brilliant move, just like it was when they got McHale and Parrish for giving up the number one pick. Fultz went to, to um, Philadelphia. I don't think he's with Philadelphia anymore. You know, no, and, uh, I don't think he's in the league anymore. I don't think he's in the league. Right. So, I mean, that was a brilliant move. And Tatum's a true star. Jason's a true star. I think where the Celtics went wrong is they really misjudged their bench players. Their bench sucks. Their bench really sucks. Whereas when you look at a team like, um, oh, Miami, unbelievable bench. They bring in um, all I- Iguodala and um, – all these uh, uh, pros that have played in, in championship Donis games. Him last night for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he got his quick farewell. They're just yeah. like their bench is, is dynamite. And, um, and it's true for some of the other really good teams. The Celtics bench is a disaster. So I think that they have two great players, but they um, the real thing that it looks like Robert Williams is going to be a really good center, but he just – He's been injury 
prone this year and the previous years too. So, you know, when a player is always injured, that's kind of a red flag. I mean, you know, like in other words, it could be the end for big guys. Look at Greg Oden. I mean, he, right. So he's, when he plays, he's a brilliant shot blocker. He rolls and takes the pass and dunks. He's just great. He's a good passer, but he's, he hasn't played. I, I mean, I do think the traditional five in the NBA is all but gone. I mean, I think I, at this right. point, you need to be seven feet shooting threes. You have to be able to stretch to the wings. And, uh, you know, that low There's post- a couple centers. There's a couple oh, centers. And, and this, is, this is the thing that happens, though. As soon as the game gets like that, then that makes room for a dominant center because no one can defend them when those players start to disappear from the league. And that's why you see the few of those players that are still left, Drummond and Nurkic, they're having tremendous success because but, nobody can guard them I, down low. Fair point. But don't you guys think, and I don't know much about AAU basketball, but that's where a lot of these players form their yes. skills and their habits. And so what I do, and I, and I think AAU is a fairly new sort of um, – entity that's trickling into the NBA. What I mean by that is like, I don't think you're going to have seven foot guys now and they're going to play AAU ball and they're going to dribble between their legs and shoot three pointers. God help that coach that tries to teach them low post moves. No, they won't. So, you know, so you're going to be taking all these seven foot guys and you're going to be teaching them how to ball handle and shoot threes. And then by the time they get to college, Again, you know, good luck coaches that are trying to teach these guys. I, I, there's so, there's always room for every kind of player on a basketball court. Well, but no, but Matt, Matt's it's, right, Joe. So there's this really good podcast. I think it's called Up and Smoke with Matt Barnes and Steve Jackson and uh, two ex-players. And they both coach. They have kids. They both coach AAU. And they say that when the – these and these AAU teams are all all stars, you know, teams that are going to go to Power Five conferences. They say when they warm up, they warm up by shooting from half court. They yeah. don't do layups. They don't do. They shoot from half court. Everybody. Well, the that, big guys. Know, that, that makes it. What good is a layup line? What does a layup line really do for you to to, to it start is a game? Traditional. Come on, man. Oh no, no. Well, I don't want to hear it traditional. I mean, I, I, I would think the purpose of that is just conditioning. Let's get your heart rate moving a little bit because you're right, Joe. Exactly. A layup line is pointless. But and I, I do agree with you. There should be room for it. I just don't see kids – they're, you know, and this is why I think Steph Curry deserves even more credit for the transcendent type of player and talent that he is. He made it cool to shoot threes. He made yeah, it. He's, he's, he's sensational. And imagine how exciting it'll be, not for Lakers fans, but to have Portland, I mean, not, not Portland, uh, Golden State play the Lakers in the playoff game, play-in game, yeah. and have the Lakers lose and LeBron's out. Oh, my God. Well, and, and if you look at – I understand, Matt, you're talking about how the game is changing and it's moving out further. But if you look at the two – the teams that shoot the two most threes in the league are Utah and Phoenix, and they're at the top of the West, at the top of the tougher conference. So that's the way the game is moving. And right. again, Darryl But I don't Green, think Utah is going to win it. I, I'm not so sure about Phoenix either. 
I think but, both um, of those teams are vulnerable. And if you look at the teams that are at the lower end, you know, they're 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 gonna have to play the Warriors and the Lakers in the first round, those two teams. But, um, that's... but the thing is, can I go back a second? So I think that Joe's point about that there is gonna be a big guy come along, and a good example would be Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson is huge. He's huge and he is unstoppable. But he's unstoppable. But even he shoots threes. Yeah, yeah, but but he became unstoppable when he became the point forward and started driving. And he just they cannot guard him. They cannot he bounces off people. You're, he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I So he's I, not I, a traditional big guy, right. but he's a big guy. That's making my point stronger. He's not playing back to the basket, low post. True. Yeah. But he's, that, no, but he's going to the rim and yeah. knocking people over on the way. Right. But yeah. Patrick Ewing couldn't do that. Akeem Olajuwon couldn't well, do that. No, Akeem could. He had that dream shake thing, the you turnaround you jumper. Put, you put Akeem at the three point line against Zion Williamson. He Williamson would be around him before Akeem could even and it's, it's remember where he was. Guys. I don't. I mean, it doesn't. Those, it doesn't help that Akeem's seventy-two years old at this point. <laughs> but those players, like I, I know, this is totally hypothetical, and, and and right, there's no way to to play against ghosts. But Patrick Ewing is coming off the bench now in this in no, today's NBA. No, no, he's not. No, no he's not. No, no, no. But, okay, but okay. No, he was. No, he was a great player. He would be he's a great defender. Yeah, but, no, but yeah. but Matt, your basic point is that if he was alive today, say he was 18 today, he would have a much different game. He would have a much different game. Now, he shot a lot of 16 to 18-foot jumpers, which back then were more part of the game. I don't think it would take much for him to be able to shoot threes. And and the big difference is that big men never had a handle. They never dribbled between their legs. They never, you know, did behind-the-back passes. They didn't have to do that. Now they do. So it really is a different game. And it who, is. Who was, the, who was the first one? Was it Garnett? Who was the first big guy? I mean, Lambeer could pass, but he couldn't really dribble. I think Garnett, Garnett to me was the first seven-footer who could play like a guard. Nowitzki? Nowitzki, that's another one. Yeah, I think they came yeah. around at about the same time. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think – and this is, it's silly to say this, but may, you know, it's a fun conversation we're having. If you take Patrick Ewing with Patrick Ewing of the 90s, his skill set, I agree. If, if he wanted to play in today's NBA, I think Patrick Ewing's skill set comes off the bench for spot play. Because Patrick Ewing's skill set still gets you 26 points and 13 rebounds a game. He's going to five play. blocks. But isn't yeah. today's NBA, again, you guys watch more than I do, so I don't know. No, I think he would uh, – but I, I think your basic point's a good one, Matt. And, I mean, the thing is, the game has really changed. And and like we've been saying, the traditional center, the um, uh, the big, bulky, uh, you know, back to the – you know, the Eaton. What was that guy's name? Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton, yeah. Yeah. Those kind of centers, they're slow, you know. Um, well, Mark Eaton could only play defense too. I think the defense only player is also pretty much obsolete. Like you hear the thing now. The yeah, thing they. Is, but I mean, some teams have him off the bench, kind of. And yeah, they, but those, pretty but effective. Those, but, but they call them all. They're all three and D now. They all can shoot threes too. So they they all can yeah. do one thing offensively: either drive or rebound or you know or shoot. So. Yeah, I think the the era of the pure defensive player is probably gone. Okay, so what about the play in? 
if you if you two were commissioners, would you make sure that the um, or or head of the players union, would you make sure that the play-in game stays next year or is dumped? Because they only got it in one year because of the COVID. I'm bringing it back. I think it's fantastic. I think it it keeps. I think just if all it does is keep more teams playing hard until the end of the season. Because if you look at the Lakers, the five, six, seven, Dallas, Portland, and Lakers, they're all playing, trying to avoid being that seven. And then you've got four extra teams that are playing for playoff spots that would have given up by now. And that's just in one conference. So no, and like the Celtics are a good example. They were, if they had beaten Miami twice, if they were at full strength and playing their best, and beating Miami twice, they could be fourth seed. They could be have a home home court you know thing. Cut, and cut instead, ten, instead they're in the play-in. You know what? Cut ten ten games off the regular season. If the players' association doesn't like it, they'll never do that. It's oh, money. Really well, what is the argument for not? I agree. Same in baseball. The regular season games bring in money. That's guaranteed. Look at football. They just added a seventeenth game. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not going to give up. What yeah. would be, and this is what I don't get, like my argument for not liking the baseball play-in is simply one and done. And I don't believe that's how baseball well, Wait is. a minute, that's what basketball is too, though. But, but but basketball isn't a game of series. Baseball is a game of series. You play three and four game series against another team. And you, you I Joe, you're laughing at me. Well, so that's, <laughs> what makes, that's what makes the one game playoff so much more exciting. But is that what I don't like about it, though, and I think I talked about it last week, you you create your roster to win a series. My ace, my number two pitcher, right. three pitcher. If you have to use your ace in a one game and then turn around and start your – and, and I, I've used the argument, win more games before if you don't want – Well, like, that's, that's what I was about to say, Matt. It's your argument. If you don't want to be in the play-in game, win more games. So I'm like I'm, – I'm, your argument – proves that the play-in game is a really good thing. And it's what Joe says. It forces teams to play hard all year. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying, my only argument against the baseball one is the fact that it's only one. I would like to see a play-in series, not just a play-in game. I kind of agree with you. We don't need more baseball. We need less baseball. (laughs) We need more more high-stakes baseball is what we need. Fair. And and, and so when it's all said and done, I like the play-in. So I like to play in in both sports too. What, and um, Joe, do you like them in both baseball and basketball? Yeah, I, I think the baseball yeah. play in is great and it does the same thing. It gets and it's more like teams what involved Joe said at the end of the season. It keeps those teams that are like, who is it? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, Portland, I think, right? Isn't Portland like 10th at a point at some point or? Well, they know, were they, out of the top eight, I think, wasn't it? They, I, I don't think they've been lower than seventh or eighth in the last. Oh, okay, but there's two, there's yeah. teams that have been, you know, that are fighting to get to the number ten seed. It gives them something to to fight for and to cheer for and to play hard. So, because it used to be there was a lot of meaningless games. There used mm-hmm. to be a lot of meaningless games for the Red Sox in June when they were already twenty six games behind the Yankees, and there and only the Yankees were going to get in the series. I went through I went through the standings yesterday, and fully a third of the league is involved in a race now that wouldn't be a race if it weren't for the play-in game. And there's, I think there's like six teams. I think there's three in each NBA division that are truly out of it. 
only six out of whatever there are 30 right. teams. Yeah. Right. What, what is, what would be the players associations gripe in the NBA against the play? Like, I don't get it. I, I see nothing but good from the play in you're giving more teams an opportunity. You're giving more players opportunities to shine in a moment. Uh, what is their gripe? The, the, the Lakers feel that, they they finish seventh. They should be in the playoff. They should just have that date with right. It's, it's with like Utah um, or Phoenix funny. or whoever it's going to be because it's because it's always been that way. So it's always been that way. So it should always stay that way. Yeah, I agree, Matt. It's a terrible argument. I, yeah, you no, know, you, yeah, and and I think the the argument that I, I've said this my entire life about a zillion different things, the argument that that's the way we've always done things being the reason that you do something is the stupidest reason to do anything. And if that's the only reason that you have, I dismiss whatever it is you're doing out of hand and I will rebuild it from scratch. Like that, that net argument always, always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I, I'm with you guys, but I, I just, it sounds like the NBA it, it's whining. Oh, I don't, I don't want to play. Like it, it's a max of what, like two games. Well, and this is this is remarkable. I'm agreeing with you a little too much, Matt. This is where I sort of agree with the if you don't like it, win more games. You know, and the Lakers situation. I agree. That's like that's Matt's good point. I love it. This this kind of leads me into something else. Is is LeBron done? No. But this is the but it's interesting. This is the first year he's missed career. No. This is but but hold on a second. This is the first year he's missed like significant time. He was at an NBA uh, um, MVP clip, wasn't he? He's right, not, but you know, I, Matt, he's played forty-two games. Matt, you get like, you know, the like you have a certain amount of distance. Say, like on your car, yeah. You know, your car after a hundred thousand miles or whatever it is begins to, you know, he has two hundred thousand miles on his car or more, and you know, at, at a certain point your body stops recovering. He's been an unbelievable marvel, but I just, the only thing I question is he's missed a lot of time and he's been very slow to recover. And so let's see what happens. Now, if he comes on, plays for the Lakers and they end up winning the play-in game and winning the championship again, okay, then he's probably still around for a while. But I do think this is like the first crack in his armor. And the thing is, there's only so much, you know, you think of players that play at a certain point, and because I played a ton of basketball, and now now my body's worn out. I have no cartilage in my knees. You know, my body's worn out. And that's sort of what happens. I mean, look at Derrick Rose, though, and he's playing for the Knicks now. True, he's doing great, but he's also yeah, but, a ball handler and yeah, a passer. Derek, and also, Derrick Rose hasn't been in the playoffs in twelve years. Yeah, LeBron no, no. plays. LeBron plays. No, no, no. 20. But that's no. He's good. But also, is he gonna? He's never played as much as LeBron, and right. and and is he gonna play another eight years? And even no. last year, like you look at the 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 wear of, and that's why I think maybe maybe it might be might be premature to say he's done because this has been a pretty extraordinary couple of years, right? Right. And no, compressed I, schedule. I, no, I don't really think he's done. I think he'll he, he he's but he's remarkable. You have to say he really is remarkable. But Daryl, like you me, say, he's. I've he, always said that Bill Russell's the best player ever. But I really have to give LeBron that crown now. Well, and you and I know this, Daryl, being on the other side of this, that's about the age where your body really does start to betray you. And that's why you see very few pro athletes make it past 40. 
And that's why right. somebody and like, like and and uh, oh Matt, get it ready, get ready for a drink. And that's why Brady is such I a. I was actually going to say it's a phenomenal thing because he has managed his caginess. He's a managed avoiding injury, you know. So, like, I mean, he was also lucky because t- twenty years ago. Basically, quarterbacks used to be decapitated regularly. And, you know, they, they were allowed to be hit by these powerful linebackers moving at 100 miles an hour, you know, as they're getting rid of the ball. And now they're, you know, but would you, be, would you be surprised if next year he all of a sudden came out there and couldn't do anything, couldn't take a snap, couldn't throw the ball? If looked it, like Cam Newton, you mean? No, oh, <laughs> you know, no, looked worse. Looked like like you or me. <laughs> I, I would be surprised i would too i think i think he's and tampa bay's loaded type team i mean so. i think it's hard you look at the last two great quarterbacks in the nfl aside from uh the man who we won't name right now <laughs> you mean tom brady <laughs> um peyton manning and drew Brees. And their last years, they were a shell of themselves. But you well, kind of, okay, but Peyton won the Super Bowl. But but well, the defense won the Super Bowl. But, but he was the quarterback on the team uh, that won it. You yeah, You're drink, like Matt saying that Brady quarter, didn't win the Super drink, Bowl. Drink for quarterbacks team. winning Super Bowls by themselves. Drink for that one. Peyton Manning <laughs> was also coming off that a neck infusion, right? So he his he won the Super Bowl. Denver won this. I agree. Was, he was terrible. He was loaded he when, like they, when he Mays. got there. Demarius Thomas. I, you know, I just, I think Brady. I, I don't, I don't think he's gonna week one, not know how to throw a, a, a pass. I, I think you know maybe this year if you start to see him as the season goes on, you know, I think it's gonna be a slow kind of almost painful decline with with huh. Tom. Interesting. But, you know, he's got his, whatever his magic training and his Alex Guerrero, you know, personal trainer and all that stuff. But let me ask you another question. Is Cam Newton going to have a good year this year? Um, I, I think compared to what? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Is he going to, is he going to be? Successful? Is he going to be able to hit short passes and compared run? To, how about compared to Jimmy Garoppolo? How about that? Let's let's yeah. make that the Individual bar. Statistic, I actually do. I, I actually I've been I've been kind of reading a little bit about it. I, I do think the Patriots will be contending for a playoff spot, and I do think Cam Newton has. Does he have an All Pro year? Probably not. They still don't have a lot other than the tight ends. They still don't have a, a you know a very good receiving core. Oh, you're wrong there. But um, who did they? Oh have? yeah, let me. I'll tell you. But um, but the thing is, I I agree. So I think um, Buffalo's going to win eleven games. Am I wrong or do you my, agree? My, my <laughs> I think Buffalo's going to win He's eleven games. You. Miami and and New England are going to win ten. And I think they'll all be in the playoffs. How about the Jets? Aren't the Jets going to win The Jets are, games? are really on the way up, but they're not ready yet. <laughs> no, they right. really are. They made brilliant – getting rid of Darnold, um, they made brilliant moves. You're taking they got the, a new, they, look for them. They actually have a future. You're, you're taking should, the traditional Matt position of being wrong. 
That's <laughs> that's just no, not happening. That is not wrong any more than you and I are. The but, Jets, um, the Jets will win three games next year. Yeah, I agree. But you look at their draft. Their draft, getting rid of Darnold. Their picks. They they got a good general manager. They're on the way back. They've I, they've amassed I, a lot of draft picks. They they made some good free agent signings. They're doing great. I agree. Yeah. Getting rid of Darnold was a good move, but they've got a long way to go. And this is like well, we talked about do. a couple yeah. weeks ago. They've got to get rid of the stink of being the Jets, and it's a it's a real thing. <laughs> Does what happens if Darnold is successful in the pan with the Panthers? Well, right? it doesn't it doesn't really matter, Matt, because the problem with Darnold is he next year he's going to be paid twenty five million dollars. And when you pay a quarterback $25 million, you have no money left to build your team. Carolina sucks. All the rest of the players suck. So if they have a quarterback, even if he is good and they have to pay him, they drafted a quarterback at number eight. They drafted another quarterback. They're, Panthers. Well, yeah, the but if yeah. you really want to be successful, you have to I go out and did. sign. you have to go out and sign Tim Tebow. That's what a really, that's what a really good team is doing. We will get there. Hold on. First of all, the Panthers did not draft uh, a quarterback. I believe I'm going to try to look it up. I I thought they had the number eight pick. They did. They drafted, uh, didn't they draft Sertain? Oh, they drafted a corner. Okay. But I, I, Daryl, I think you're partly right. The Jets drafted well this year. They gave, they're giving Wilson an opportunity to be successful that they did not give Darnold. Right. Well, and um, also, but the thing I is, I feel like the Darnold to Wilson is a little bit of a lateral move. Well, no, but no, when you look at the finances, it's the same for the Patriots. The Patriots have Newton signed for a minimum contract unless he wins the Super Bowl. And same with Mac Jones. And Mac Jones is going to be good for several years. And so they have a cheap quarterback. And that's what the Jets now have too. Their well, Jets were the one that drafted a good quarterback. I, so they'll for, they'll have this guy for five years for cheap money, whereas Darnell will be paid twenty five million next year. You have to have a great team to be able to afford a twenty five million dollar quarterback. But he's going to be less good because he's with the Jets, and his stock is going to suffer. And in three years, when they trade him for a fifth round pick, you will say, "Well, at least they got a fifth round pick for this bum." Well, listen, while we're talking about futility, Matt, how come we don't hear any Giants talk? I haven't heard Giants talk from you in like three months. Silent assassins. They're sneaking up. <laughs> I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's, so did they have a good draft? I don't even know. You know, I, I was, I, yeah, I think they had a very good draft. They, they acquired. They have Joe Judge, right, as their coach? Yeah, they were a bad team, and um, they, they acquired – uh, two extra draft, draft picks for next year's draft. They acquired a few extra on this year's draft. So I, they, they did have a good draft. Um, I'm optimistic. Both my When the schedule was released, both my brother and I had them in the 9 to 11 win range. So they might be fighting for a playoff. Maybe. Uh, you know, I think it's fair to say, you know, nine. it's all dependent on Daniel Jones. If, if he can – can um, manage. He, I don't think he has to take over games because they have. They definitely have skilled players around him. But if he right. can do what he needs to do, not mm-hmm. fumble the ball, not throw interceptions. A P- couple of pipe dreamers, both of you guys. Okay, talk yourselves into anything. Wow. Okay, so here we go. 
So I'm going to now defend the Patriots receivers. The Patriots went out and spent like $136 million in free agents. It was like the second most that a team had spent ever in history. So they got two great tight ends, really good tight ends, who are going to be on the field all the time, and they're going to have this 12 formation, whatever that means. But And they're, and they're set up. They, they drafted this fullback who's really tough. They've got decent runners. they got Newton. So they're going to be kind of um, an old smash-mouth football team. They, they signed Aguilar. No, let me finish. I haven't finished yet. They signed Aguilar who had a great season for Las Vegas last year. And, um, and then they have two receivers that have shown some progress. Um, one begins with an M. I can't think of his name right now. But the other one, Gunnar Oscheski. Matt, is, I, I love, I love he's your He's going to be the new Edelman. I love your exasperation at Daryl's out-of-proportion optimism because well, yours is just as bad. No, no, I no, no. Do I sound like that when I'm talking about the Giants? Well, you know, you see, you guys need to root for the Knicks and the Rangers for a couple of decades and then you or the Jets. And then you understand that everything is disappointment. And to have all these these, like I said, pipe dreams about all the wonderful things these new signees are going to do. I agree, Daryl. Nelson Aguilar is a good receiver. He's got a couple of years left in him. Yeah. He's going to help him. But I don't I think honestly, I love Cam Newton. I hate to say this because I really want to see him do well, but I don't think he's going to play more than six games this season. So, but wasn't it interesting? The question was like, okay, who are the wide receivers that they improved upon? And Daryl talks about two tight ends. Aguilar, and there's another one, though. They drafted another one. signed another one. You mentioned mentioned the guy who starts with the letter M, who you can't think of his name. I'll give you Aguilar. Jacoby Myers or something like that. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers. They don't have a, a, a real, true number one receiver. I'll give you Aguilar. He's he he would be a, a good number two, you know, on a really good roster. On a really good roster, he's a three. I'll give you a two. They don't have a number one receiver. They have no, but but they're they also going to have two tight ends. But it, it'll be interesting, and I will give Belichick and McDaniel's the benefit of the doubt. They're they're brilliant in their game scheming. Yep, smash mouth football is not played anymore. Well, and that's, but and that's that interesting anymore, but, but you know what, but, but so, that's what Belichick's going to do. Well, and again, same thing that we talked about in basketball earlier. Now that the game has become what it has. Now, if you had a team that could run the ball and gain five yards and had three fullbacks and could gain five yards of play, you wouldn't be able to stop them because all the defenses are set up with seven D backs to stop teams that are throwing the ball every down. So all this stuff is cyclical and it'll come back around. Where... Right. And the thing is the 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 Patriots have a good defense. So, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, the thing is like what you said about the coaches, you know, Belichick and McDaniels, they are amazing. And you know, that also, McDaniels will have a second set of plays if Newton bombs out ready for Mac Jones. And, They're going to have know. to because they are two different skill sets. Right, I think right. Cam Newton, but they'll have he'll have it. Cam Newton will be successful running the ball, and I think you you know you will need those RPOs and and. What does of, an RPO stand for? I, uh, run uh, pass uh, option. Oh, run. so that's when they put the ball in the halfbacks 
thing and then yank it out and quarterback run reads the guy on the end whether it's a linebacker or defensive yeah. end if he okay. crashes he, he keeps the ball if he drops back he'll drop back so it would make sense that cam that. newton would maybe run some of those yeah well, and and that I th- did not. he didn't last year he didn't last year well but I, and i think the the nfl systems are so much more complex they're going to have full packages for both quarterbacks in place although if you look at the um Training camp situations a little gonna be a little screwy, but can we? Since we're talking about, can I can I flip things from the two coaches who do things right to a coach who may not last the year? Uh, Urban, Urban Meyer? Meyer. Yeah, I mean this. He's 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 had a juggernaut, Jacksonville. Well, he <laughs> he tried to bring in a defensive coordinator or special teams coach who turned out to be a raging lunatic and you know so he's not making the best decisions and i think the tim tebow tim tebow hasn't played in the league 2012 and he right and he, he didn't and, even play he took by, right, by the, the way Jets. he wasn't very good in 2012 right. and i can't could you imagine being another player on that roster and and watching tebow it's the nfl rosters are tough to make and there are good players that are cut every week and that, and that's their and they're looking at that as their play to be on a roster for three years, make a couple million well, dollars, you know, and be set up for yeah. life. And instead, they get cut because Tebow's there. And why would why do you even think Tebow would be a good tight end? He he wasn't he wasn't good. Uh, he, he I think. And the question also is why does Tim Tebow need to play in the NFL at at his age? At this point in his career, why why hasn't he? I don't know. This may sound me, but why hasn't he found something else to do? You know, it's interesting. I, he was he was an announcer. I, I, I am the, I, I am first to admit how much Tim Tebow annoys me. <laughs> but it all, to be fair, he really he he, he had a great career at Florida University of Florida. Yeah, he did. But ever since in the end, he's always he's always annoyed me. But in all that being said, though, do you hate Jesus, Matt? Well, no, <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like he he is he hasn't done anything wrong for me. I I really don't well, like him. Really throwing <laughs> all incomplete passes is kind of wrong. I'm glad you're talking because I would be digging the same hole right along with you. So you <laughs> you take this, yeah. No, it's annoying. It's sanctimonious it's and annoying. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, but I do look. I don't know what it, other than nepotism. I have no idea why Urban Myers had a light bulb moment to be like Tim Tebow, tight end. You know what? You know, bring bring him on as an assistant coach. Bring him on as a quarterbacks coach. Right. That's or even a tight ends coach. Because um, I do think his impact in a locker room as a coach could be positive. But I agree with you guys. I think the impact in the locker room with him putting a uniform on is, can be no positive. I don't see any positive coming out of that because he's taking a roster spot away from a younger player who's fighting and clawing, who wasn't playing baseball for the last six years or whatever it was. And, and that there's going to be resentment there. So, you know, I, I, it's questionable. Guys, you know, the thing is what you've brought up, Matt, I mean, Joe, is that, um, you know, coaches on the decline. Urban Myers was a sensational coach at Florida, like sensational, recruited great. Then he went to Ohio State. He did not have good fortune there, did he? 
Yes, he did. Nope. Well, he did. Well, did he win a national championship? I'm not sure. He didn't because his team was under uh, – he went undefeated, and the team had – well, actually, that might have been because of Jim Tressel. I, I would say this. Urban Meyer won a lot of games in college, but his recruiting and the type of people he recruited were, are, are questionable at best. <laughs> and it's not all just because of Aaron Hernandez. But if you dig into – and I did a little bit – of reading about some of the types of players and things that got swept under the rug at Florida yeah. and at Ohio yeah. State. He he's that Aaron Hernandez story is crazy. Best. Well, and that's why this this defensive coordinator hire wasn't terribly surprising. That whole situation. I, I yeah no I'm so I'm is with he you losing there, it? I don't get it. Is he losing it? No, I think he's just he has no ethics and he just he'll do whatever it takes I to think, to win. I think this is. And, and I don't mean – I didn't mean to bring it back to we should get rid of the draft. But I oh, think – Oh, no! Uh, drink, drink, oh, everybody. No. no, listen, hear me hear me out on this point. I think this is a situation – Okay, you got one minute. You yeah. got one minute. Ownership wanting to sell tickets above winning. Ownership by oh, – Wait a minute. You, Tebow's not Meyer. selling any tickets. Urban Meyer is a draw. Urban Meyer will sell you tickets. Urban right, Meyer – Tebow will won't. Hold on. Hold on. Well, well, no, yeah, but nah. – yeah. Tim Tebow will. But he might, in, he might in Jacksonville. He might in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah he, he might. He's a kid. Yeah. He, that, he's went to Florida. Like, Urban Meyer is the type of coach you want. It's like a, um, the Cleveland Browns, Johnny Manziel. He sold tickets. He, you sold a lot of jerseys. He didn't win you any games. And that's my problem. Like, there are ownership groups that care about the money before winning. Urban Meyer, I don't think, is going to be a successful winning NFL coach. There's, it, everybody is – it's too level of a playing field. There's no recruiting. You don't have territory. I don't think he's going to win in the NFL. And it's the you rarity. Know, it's a it's a rarity when a college coach comes in. You know, Jimmy Johnson's an exception. There've been a few exceptions, but they are the exception. Well, and know. I was going to bring up Rick Pitino, who who was who was a successful college coach, went to the Celtics and did a horrible job, and then went back to college, and he had some punky Division three team in the in the um play in the NCAA playoffs. So guys, what if what if Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer too have sold their souls to the devil, and they're going to be sixteen and zero this Joe, year and win the Super Joe, Bowl and make us all look dumb? We do not need to be picketed by religious groups. Now, come on, man. <laughs> who, who are we be, being picketed by so far? Anybody? No, have we just, avoided that? Just a few oh, smart hey. people. Hey. Oh, by the way, next week we have to ask for money. Next week's the fundraiser. Oh, okay. And by the way, as while we're sticking announcements in here, I have to wish a happy birthday to our maybe like number two, number three fan, Ed Malachowski. It's his birthday. We're recording this Friday. It's his birthday Saturday when you all hear this. Oh, so, good. Happy birthday, Ed. Happy and birthday. he does he listen along with his wife. And, you know, so that perfect. Perfect. And so I are are we are we done with football and Urban Meyer and stuff? Because I, I do yes, have please, one. Please, please, and one. and the no draft, please. Yeah, let's yeah, we'll, 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 let's let's table that for uh, June of two thousand and fifty-eight. So okay, so I asked the Yankee, I asked the Yankee fan today, are the Red Sox for real? Clearly, the Yankees are a great team. They're going to finish first, but the Red Sox they look like they're for real. 
I can we can we talk about something inspiring and important and not not boring? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so I, I don't know if you guys saw the story, but um, there was a one, her girl. Her name is Amy Bockerstedt. She was the first uh, person with Down syndrome to play in a. She played in the National Junior College uh, golf tournament, and wow. you know she finished 140th out of 150. But the first first person to qualify and just research that like do some Googling and read the stories about this, just heartwarming and inspiring and things that I never talk about. So what's her name again, Amy Bockerstedt. And the college was in, um, in, uh, Arizona. And, but that's, the story, that's really cool. You know, her dad was her caddy and, you know, it was funny, just like the, the back and forth between the two of them is really, really funny. And like, he took the blame for her worst shots of the, of the round. <laughs> But just everybody that had anything to do with this event was just raving about what an experience it was to be around this young woman. And, you know, it just it's it's a really heartwarming thing. So in a nice. in an hour of of complaining and grumbling. And so, poop, it's nice you know to- what, Joe, that may be enough to keep the religious pickets away for a week <laughs> or two. What are your guys thoughts? Do you guys pay attention to the hockey at all? Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean. The, pay, the the Bruins are playing the Capitals, and that will be a very interesting series. Yeah, but in, in the, the Canadian side of it, they're still finishing up their regular season games. Yeah, but the playoffs start next week. They're all finishing up the same time. Yeah, they're finishing I, the same Really? Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, what's going to be interesting is going to be, because right now they're keeping the division segregated. Yeah. So the Canadian teams are just playing in Canada. At some point, they're going to have to – come into the U.S. to play the... Which is going to mean quarantine. Or the United States is going to have to go there. Well, but they... they I don't know if they're going to be allowed... They, if they're not Canadian citizens, they won't be allowed back into Canada. Because right now, you can't get into Canada if you're an American citizen. Right, because Tampa Bay... I mean, um, Toronto plays down in Florida, doesn't it? Or Buffalo, wherever. No, that's, that's baseball. I know, but 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 they but they're doing that because they don't want well, the teams can't tr- go to Toronto. Right, but Toronto's the only Canadian baseball team in the league. Right, there right. are half, you right. know, a quarter of the league is is. So that's a good question. I don't know what's been worked out for the finals. That's interesting. Well, it's, it's just going to be one team. There'll be one of those teams that'll have to come down for the for the the conference finals. But right, I wonder, but will there it, be a fourteen day quarantine? I don't think there's going to be a quarantine. There's no quarantine when you come into the United States. We don't care. There's only a quarantine when you go into Canada. So there. Oh, but so the problem will be those poor Canadians can never go back home. Well, and that's. I wonder. I have to look. It'll depend on who the team is that makes the that wins that division. But how many Canadian players are on that roster? You know, if they're American players, not they're not going many, to care. Not as many as there used to be. Well, right, but if they're American or European, they'll come over and then go home when it's over. But if they're Canadian, they come across. There's going to be a few players that can't go home, or if they do, I mean, they'll still be able to go home, but they'll have to sit in a quarantine for 14 days. And the rules well, are pretty- all I know is um, I love Canada, and when Trump wins presidency again, I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> well, as soon as the border opens, Daryl, you remember Dave Hawk, right? He was a yeah. yeah he's in yeah. Vancouver. He and his wife are in Vancouver. Dave's in grad school up there. Dave, I hope you're listening. But as soon as the border opens, they're five hours away. I haven't seen them since their wedding, so I'm going to take a ride up there as soon as I can. And that's supposed to be beautiful up there, right? Isn't it? Yeah, too- yeah. yeah British Columbia is spectacular. Yeah. yeah. Matt, you're not planning on leaving the country like the rest of us. 
Not yet. I don't. I don't have enough gas to get out of the country. <laughs> well, can you guys get? Are you guys having gas problems? No. No. Is that just North that Carolina? That was just North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. I, I lived in Asheville for three years, so I've got a lot of my friends who were panicking. I told them all to come out here. You need gas? Come out here. We got plenty. Yeah. But I guess. Yeah. yeah, but you know, isn't it? It bothers me so much, all this this panic buying stuff. And like right now, like I, I'm putting a pool in my backyard and um, like chlorine is actually, there's a shortage of chlorine. And so I just had to spend 150 bucks on a 25 pound bucket of uh, chlorine tabs. And wow. um, one of the pairs I work with, their family owns um, a, a local pool store. And, um, and she was like, yeah, we're only selling one bucket per family uh, or you know, per customer. And I like hot tubs, they do hot tubs too. And they're like, yep, we're pretty, we're very close to being like end of July, end of summer. 2022 well, the same thing right. happened with lumber the same thing happened with right. lumber. and, and, and yeah. then you know what it is it's the it's covid related and it's supply mm-hmm. chain and yeah. so like apple and all the microsoft they're all having these problems that are not going to be fixed in a year you know it's going to yeah. take a long time well, and for these for you guys these, know these the, supply chain things to be brought back to normal daryl and i know what the solution is it's socialism and I'm not, you guys think you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. That's the solution is to have all this stuff centrally distributed and controlled. Of course, it doesn't, doesn't work on a, on a, you know, well, on that's, scale. you know, Joe, you're sounding like Matt and there's no draft right now. So, you know, be, be, be careful. Um, oh, that's a good, that's a good, well, no, but, but no, no draft. No, the draft is socialism. No yeah. draft is, is capitalism. No more like capitalism. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. No draft is more like a capitalism kind of way. Wait, hold on. I got to drink again a couple more times there. <laughs> no, but but I, I agree. It, it is all COVID related. And when, you know, when, when you, the, in the winter, you, you weren't producing as much chlorine tablets for the, you know, whatever it is. Um, It, it is. Right. Also, your your business build. was closed. Hey yeah, guys, yeah. You, you know what we never did? Welcome to the Sports Plus Show. I'm Joe, alongside ah. Big Baker and Big D. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has and, been the Sports Plus. Yeah. It is and has been and always and will please be. please consider donating next week when we ask you. So start saving your pennies right now. Any donation is appreciated um, for Valley Free Radio. Go to valleyfreeradio.org or thesportsplusshow.com, and there are links to donate on both those pages. And you can go, it's easy to, it's easy to donate. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Have a good week, everybody.